Important complaints regulations moved a step closer in LegCo last week, but was there really a need to break convention and rush things through? The health minister certainly thought so. And following government's decision to extend Kroger's licence, how could we miss the opportunity for another should-we-shouldn't-we debate on gas extraction? I began by pointing out to Minister Hooper that he had a record for challenging rushing legislation through. So, what's changed? So, my, my position on on the flexibility of Parliament has always been the same. Actually, that if a minister is bringing something forward, it's their job to make a case. You know, when when you bring something forward and say, "Look, I need to do this quickly for whatever reason," uh, convince me. It's the minister's job to convince backbenchers to say yes or no to that proposal uh, because ultimately it's the House's decision how quickly things move or how slowly things move. Um, and sometimes I supported that when I was convinced by the minister making their case. Sometimes I didn't when the minister didn't adequately convince me that they needed to do things quickly or, or to change the way they were processing something through Parliament. And that's exactly what, what we did on Tuesday. I've, uh, we were advised quite late into the development of our complaints regulations, which I think you would agree are absolutely critical to getting our health service functioning uh, better, having a proper modern complaints process. Um, Tim will told us to do it, so we're trying to do it as quickly as, as Tim will have instructed. And um, we a bit of a roadblock uh, quite recently, very, very late into the process, that said actually we needed uh, some more legal powers than we currently have. So basically it's just a regulation-making power. And uh, in order to get that done, we needed to take it through the House very quickly and take it through the Legislative Council very quickly. So on Tuesday, I, I made that request. I ex- explained the process. I explained to members uh, why we were where we are, why it was important that we get this done quickly, and asked them if we could take it through uh, in a much quicker f- format. I didn't convince everyone. I think three members weren't convinced. Absolutely their right to, to vote whichever way they, they want. Uh, but the House ultimately thought, yes, I've made a convincing enough argument to take that small two-clause bill through in a, in a single sitting. And to my mind, that's the right approach. Um, we talked earlier in another interview about uh, bureaucracy stymieing progress, and sometimes process is important, um, and there needs to be good reason to step outside of it. I don't disagree with any of that, but ultimately you shouldn't be constrained by a process. You shouldn't say, I can't do this, if there is actually a way of making it happen. I think it's our job as politicians to uh, make things happen, actually, to implement the will of the electorate. And in this case, the will of the electorate is quite clear. The complaints process inside our health and care system service is not fit for purpose. It needs to be improved. Uh, that view has come through from uh, constituents time and time again. It's come through from uh, other ministers. It's come through from members of Timwald. It's come through in my emails whilst we've been sitting here talking, another person complaining about the complaint system. Uh, so this, it needs fixing. Quite and, and I mean, this is not a new problem though, is it? I mean, this is yeah. something that Timwald has been, I think the, the previous uh, Timwald before the, the, the election asked the department to crack on with. Yes. So how how has it taken so long for somebody to work out that you didn't have the power to do it? So partly it comes down to the scope of what needs to be done. So the original plan, as far as I remember, was to bring a bill through that dealt with complaints. Um, Tim Wald back in May, uh, April 2021, sorry, um, actually said, do it by regulation. Bring these regulations forward as quickly as possible. And and that, I think, posed a slight challenge for the previous department uh, members and minister because they thought it was going to be a lot simpler than it was. Um, and when they started looking into it and the work was being done, it turns out this isn't going to be a simple set of regulations. It's going to be eight sets of regulations that are needed to do this under the current legal framework. And that complexity, I think, is what caused it to be delayed. Um, after the election, obviously, that was another delay in the process. 
uh, the new minister, myself and, and my team, we we wanted to have another look at this process because we we were concerned that actually were we doing the right thing? And, and the answer is yes. I think this is still the right approach. But the one thing we decided to do was try and make the uh, independent health and care ombudsman look and feel as close to a truly independent ombudsman as possible because what we don't want to do is in two years when we bring our nhs reform bill through we don't want to go through this whole process again we want to get something right now and then make it as right as possible so that when we eventually put it into primary law we don't have to make too many changes so as far as the public and clinicians and everyone is concerned what we are going to end up with now is for all intents and purposes the final looking um, solution to, to the problem and that caused a little bit of a, a knock-on delay um, but and I think it was possibly that decision that said let's go as far as we can that maybe has caused us to say well, we can't actually do everything we need to do um, and if you want specifics it was the specific work that needs to be done under the Children and Young Persons Act and the Social Services Act so the healthcare stuff we could probably have done already but it was the social services side of the complaints function that was going to cause us issues and I think that to my mind is equally as important as the healthcare side um, and so we didn't want to go and say well we'll just do the health stuff and we'll leave the social services complaints for another day um, and the solution to that was obviously to bring a very very short amending bill through the house of keys very quickly and and i suppose for those who, who don't know the process um you have first reading uh, then the week after first reading you have second reading the tends then to be a delay of a fortnight for clauses and then the, the week after clauses mm. you get third reading so that's not a long process it's about I mean, within a couple of months you can you can get through one of the branches but then of course it goes to the next branch up to LegCo mm. um, and effectively there aren't enough sittings to get all that done before the summer so you'd be back in October uh, in, into LegCo yeah. potentially it would be Christmas before you would get uh, royal assent because not only do you have to pass the branch uh, the bill through both branches you then have to wait for royal assent to be given before anything can be done with the le- with with the bill so it could have been round about this time next year before um, you you would have got the, um, the 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 regulations in place, which is why you felt the need to to yeah to, absolutely. To I mean, the other alternative would have been to shorten some parts of the process, so we could have taken it through over a number of weeks rather than trying to do it in a in a single sitting. Um, the problem with that is we are trying to get these things regulations because it is a, it's actually a complex into two stage process. So the first stage of regulations we have to make basically let us make the second set of regulations so we have to have a two-month period and so some of the regulations we're hoping to bring forward uh, either june or july and then the the rest the sitting afterwards and it's that time scale that causes us an issue that if we'd have even gone through a couple of weeks of a process in each branch we'd have ended up pushing us probably the other well definitely the other side of the summer and possibly even closer to christmas because there's also the six week register of business deadline that tim has, has implemented so that adds an extra uh, time scale on so really it's the knock-on effect of everything the time of year and and uh, the extra weeks that we need would cause this to, to kick in later than it otherwise would have done and sometimes that's okay i think you know there's no if there's no particular rush to get something in there's no problem delaying things by a few months but i think this was like i say it was the start of 2021 that really timbled said get this done um i, I can't see a, any reason really to delay that when really all we needed was it's quite it's just a technical bill it doesn't do anything in and of itself the important things will be the regulations that we're now going to make underneath that bill um, and the intention like i told the house keys on tuesday is to publish those as soon as they are uh, fit for purpose as soon as they're ready i'll be publishing 
publishing them, um, even if I can't legally make them yet. And I, I want them out there because I want those to have uh, as much scrutiny, as much time for public scrutiny as possible because they are the key piece of this puzzle. Um, the bill that came through on Tuesday was very much about let's give us the power to do the thing we need to do. It, if it was doing anything more than that, I think I would have been quite nervous coming and asking the House of Keys for permission to take it through quickly because I'm, like you've already said, I'm not a big fan of uh, rushing things for no reason, um, even if I think that is an approach that has been taken in the past. Um, but because this bill, because of the nature of it, because of the size of it, it, it felt to me the right thing to do was to ask permission to do that quickly uh, rather than try and delay things at all. That was Laurie Hooper, MHK with Kroger being granted an extension to their licence to explore our territorial seas for gas, I persuaded Stu Peters MHK and Paul Crane MLC to consider the implications of government's decision. Uh, To me, Phil, it's a no-brainer, this. Um, We've been told that there is gas in Kroger, in the Kroger field. I don't know. I'm not a geologist, so I don't know whether there's gas there or not. But the people who are prepared to put their money into this to find out say that there is. And to me, it would be criminal not to exploit our natural uh, resources and reserves, Um, especially given the fact that we've got no energy security at the moment. We're at the end of a pipeline and uh, anybody could turn the taps off at any time that they wanted to. Um, Gas is unaffordable. And the Kroger people say that, you know, if they do find the reserves that they expect, they'll sell it to the Alamann government cheap. It's a win-win for me. Paul, why isn't it a good idea? If this was 1997, 25 years back, and the Isle of Man was looking to move out of oil for its electricity generation and build a new gas power station, which, which of course opened in, in 2004, if this was at that stage, I would absolutely support a scheme that would be looking for gas in, in Manx uh, territorial waters. Um, it, it would have powered the the new power station for the next 20 years maybe if it's there in that sort of quantity and um, but it's not 1997 it's it's 2022 and the gas power station that we built in 2004 which then involved transitional fuel as we moved from from the from the dirtier oil to the cleaner gas the the, the transition that we made has now run nearly 20 years and the power stations maybe got about 10 years left of life to run um, so uh, we're coming to the end of the period where we've relied on gas. The world has moved on. We've got an enormous understanding now of, of what's happening to the atmosphere. And of course, it's not just the atmosphere. We're living um, very unsustainably. It, it, we've got um, damage in terms of plastics in the oceans. We've got damage in terms of uh, biodiversity loss um, and, and in terms of uh, uh, the extinctions, rate of extinction at the moment, higher than it's been for, for millions of years. And then we've got the, the temperature rising and we've got very, very clear monitoring of that. If someone says it's, it's not scientifically so, they're scientifically illiterate because the scale, the amount of science that's gone on and the levels of um, confidence limits that, that, are, that are there, um, it, it is very, very clear that not just that the um, amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is rising, it's, it's causing the temperatures to rise. And we've, we've got at the moment an attempt globally to try and halt that at 1.5 degrees, even rising beyond that to 2 degrees, which is, is very possible, 
possibility, it's a clear possibility that, that, that could come about. At two degrees, we lose the world's corals and, and, and a whole series of changes going on. So we've, we've got a very short time to address this. And we've been functioning now, COP26, with the 26th global conference on this. We've got to get emissions down. So um, it, it's not great. I, giving permission for them to carry on and look seismic tests to see if it's there. That's not the worst thing in the world. The worst thing will be in the world will be if we end up burning the gas for another 20 years here. So um, I, I'm not wildly upset about it. But it's not a good idea. It's not a good way forward. So, Stu, um, you're you're scientifically illiterate, it would appear. Well, yeah, but I am scientifically illiterate. I'm the first person to admit that. I'm not a scientist. Anything that's got footnotes and things is is far beyond my can to understand. Um, but it, it's just that you know, and I've got a huge amount of respect for yourself and for Paul and for Rob Mercer and for Daphne and their point of view about this. But even if I was the greenest person in the world, I would still have to say that anything that we do on the Isle of Man is going to have zero effect on all the problems that Paul is talking about. So, you know, the coral reefs aren't going to bleach anymore. There's going to be no more extinction because of the fact that we're using local gas rather than gas that comes from Russia or, or Poland or, or, or Norway or wherever. We're still using gas. It's just that it's local gas and it's going to be of benefit to the Manx people. And they're the people that voted me in. I'm not worried what people think internationally. I don't believe that, that taking our own gas out of the ground is going to affect our reputation, as some people seem to, to uh, suggest. That's all the nonsense. What we've got is a real problem here at the moment. We've got pensioners, people on low incomes that can't afford to turn the heating on this winter because the gas prices have gone through the roof. If there is gas at Kroger, and it's a big if, then they've offered to sell it to us cheap and it's going to uh, get rid of that problem. It's not going to be tomorrow. It's obviously going to take a time to do it, but the sooner that we get down to it, the better. And to me, that includes removing any restrictions on when they can survey. At the moment, they can only survey in the winter months. It's a nonsense. Get the boats out tomorrow, see whether or not there's gas there, and if there is, let's get it out. And what's the reason for those restrictions? Are you aware of those? I, I think it's something to do with sea life or, or fishing grounds or, or something like that, but I, I'm not uh, entirely sure about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just uh, yet another obstacle that has been put in the way of this exploration by, by officers and, and people within the D and other departments as far as uh, I can see is, is this ever is it I mean are we ever going to get to the end of this particular um, matter I mean d d hasn't this just been a rather convenient decision for council of ministers to make um, realistically you know we're talking at least another six years um, possibly even longer before any gas is going to appear Comin are probably thinking the last thing we need is more trouble so we'll just We'll just give them their extension. It would appear that they that you know, the, the, this is this this is a, a great long grass solution for for, for council of ministers. Um, it, it it all gently goes away and uh, nothing nothing happens. The well, appearance of action. Paul and I both went to the PAG meeting where the Kroger people and Paul was on the other side of the debate on this, uh, on the on the uh, on the stage. Um, and they say that it's not going to take that long, that you know it's going to take a period of time for them to set up all the surveys, to raise the cash, to do the job. Uh, let's hope that all that goes swimmingly. Uh, but the, the, uh, once they've actually drilled into the ground, if they find that there is uh, 
what they expect to, to find there with the seismic surveys they can drill into the ground uh, with a test well if that starts to produce gas then it's job on boys because that is effectively the first borehole that is producing gas uh, and they'll add others later so you know everybody's very keen to say oh yeah but that's not going to solve the problem today no it's not but at some point we need to grasp this and you know we've got a potential gold mine in our backyard and for some crazy reason we're not using it and, and paul i mean realistically uh, Stuart does have a, a point of sorts here um you know we 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 have got this resource um isle of man government isle of man government is in real uh, f f financial difficulties at the moment you know we're, we're talking about introducing the the dreaded stealth charges as uh, stealth taxes as a way to overcome the the shortfalls in the budget uh, the treasury minister said that in his april well, he didn't say he didn't call them stealth taxes, obviously, but uh, effectively uh, introducing new charges, uh, which are only going to affect people who can afford them, which, uh, again, uh, that, that limits what uh, charges might be available. But Isle of Man government is really strapped for cash. Um, this, if it ever uh, comes to fruition, uh, th this is a, a, a great opportunity to fund all the things that... Uh, you and I uh, are, are passionate for things like uh, get better insulation on the homes, less energy uh, draining uh, machines, uh, basically it, it moving our island towards a, a, a low carbon uh, future in which uh, future we wouldn't be dependent on uh, external fossil fuels. Surely this is the this is the answer. There's so many red herrings in the discussions that have gone on between you and Stuart. Let me try and sort of pick up a few of those. Um, what Does what the Isle of Man do make a difference? We, we are just a drop in the ocean, but the reality is the ocean's made up entirely of drops, so we can't sort of excuse ourselves from this. The cleanest and cheapest form of producing electricity at the moment is wind. The Isle of Man, you mentioned the resources we've got. We don't know if we've got gas resources. We do know that we've got one of the best wind regimes in Europe. So we can cut our energy bills by, by moving towards use of renewables, and we don't have to wait six years for that to come on stream. That's available to us now. So it's, well, yeah, but it's not. You've Stuart, got to build Stuart, it. Stuart, Stuart, yeah, you've, you've, um, you've had a point. Um, so we've... We need to be moving forward. We need to be moving forward rapidly. You know, the, the, um, all of the uh, leading experts in the field um, are, are saying that what we do in these next eight years before 2030 is absolutely crucial because the carbon that's growing and growing, um, if we can reduce it early, the earlier we can reduce it, the less final amount of carbon dioxide there'll be in the atmosphere. And that's crucial for generations ahead. So it makes absolute sense for the Isle of Man not to be investing in, 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 in fossil fuels, which in the long term, they're not just environmentally damaging. But, but we're not investing in them, are we? We're, we're just granting a license to I, explore. I'm thinking the Isle of Man, not just government, I'm thinking you know, for the Isle of Man, including companies here, to be investing in that. It's not just environmentally massively damaging. Um, I fully expect it to be economically damaging. The International Energy Agency said last year there must be no more exploration for, for fossil fuels. That's exactly where Kroger are moving. We've had it said by um, numerous uh, international bodies, United Nations, Antonio Guterres, the, the, the um, head of the UN, by Mark Carney and others, that 
we've already got more fossil fuels than we can possibly use. Mark Carney has said half our known gas reserves but, but can ha- never be burned. Hasn't, hasn't the conflict uh, between Russia and Ukraine kind of uh, dr- driven the coach and horses through some of these arguments? Because those fos- readily available fossil fuels are coming out of uh, Russian oil and gas wells. And it's fair to say that uh, most people in... in uh, uh, the developed world don't really want to be using that. I think that's true. There is a wish not to be using fossil fuels. I think what's happening in the Ukraine, it's, it, it's, it's absolute tragedy, really, what, what's been going on. But it has done um, enormous, um, it's created enormous uncertainty in, in gas prices. You know, they were running at sort of 45 uh, pence per um, therm, and, and then they rose to, to £5 a therm, they're down to £2 a therm at the moment. The, the profit that might be there to be made out of whatever gas that may or may not exist uh, is there. But, you know, hopefully this is not going to last forever and we will see the point come and it may come quite quickly and quite sharply when it comes when uh, gas prices uh, normalize again, but then reduce further because there's only 20 years life of left of gas life left for countries that are trying to get down to, to um, zero emissions by 2050. Which so, I mean, it's the it, world's population. just just in, in, in relation to addressing things urgently, um, I mean, we've got three issues that have been raised and and people politicians have been talking about the urgent need to address one is climate change one is the current cost of living crisis primarily driven by fuel um, and the other uh, emergency apparently is is housing H- how urgent does would, would you say urgent is if after 10 percent of the time of this government you uh, were 10 percent into into this government in terms of its available time all we've done really is say how urgent these things are, Stu. Are we serious when we're talking about urgent or or is this just warm words and uh, platitudes? Well, yes, I think it probably is warm words and platitudes. And one of the, the sadnesses that, that has come across me since being elected is the fact that, um, and I, I made a video last week that's on YouTube where I talk about this, that government seems to, and a lot of businesses nowadays, measure their success by outputs rather than outputs comes um so as long as everybody's busy everybody busy oh yes we're all working very hard oh good that's all right then um let's have another report you know let's have another uh, unmet need survey let's have another public consultation but nothing actually gets done uh, and to paul's point make no mistake i've got no problem with clean energy but at the moment it's uh, and i'm a very simple person i'm not a scientist and i'm not an economist but we've got a firm in balasala a manx firm that is talking about spending their money or money that they raise to get gas out of the ground in manx waters and i don't see any other firm saying we'll build a, a wind farm or we'll build a tidal farm paul uh, the number of people i've met with in, in the in some six months i've been in legislative council who are saying that they want to build wind farms in the Isle of Man. Some of them saying they want to go further than that and build storage on the Isle of Man. And where there's difficulties with that at the moment or in the way that it would work with the network we've got and the need to have a strong network to be able to deal with some of this. So um, it, it, the, the pressure is absolutely there. The economic interest is there. 
um, and it's and, and much in, faster in, in economic interest and more certain economic interest than, than the possibility of gas in the Irish Sea. As ever with these things, we could talk forever. I, I've really enjoyed that discussion. I do hope that we continue to have these discussions um, and urgent discussions and urgent action is required. And let's hope that 20% of the way into the, uh, the, the term of this government, we actually see something uh, being done. Is the government decision to extend Kroger's licence merely a convenient way of allowing the matter to disappear into the long grass for several more years? How can government possibly agree to gas extraction when it wishes to urgently address the climate emergency? And closing in on a fifth of the way through the available Tinwald sittings is anything urgent for Isle of Man government? Please get in touch with philgorn at manxradio.com and let me know your thoughts and views on the programme. You can access the podcast of this week's agenda from Manx Radio's website. But for now, I'm Phil Gorn. Goromayo, thanks for listening.